Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Little Atoms. This recording is the first in a series of live events called Two Cultures, where we bring together a scientist and a poet to explore a particular aspect of science. Back in September, we invited poet Simon Barraclough and Professor of Physics Lucy Green to look at how we understand our sun at Waterstones Piccadilly in London. My name's Lucy Green and I'm here representing the science side of Two Cultures. My background is in astrophysics and I work at London University in a space science laboratory, which is the most thrilling title I think for me to be able to say I'm a space scientist. And my focus for the last 20 years has been trying to understand the sun. And what I want to do this evening is kind of take you on a bit of the journey that I've been on, where the sun has gone for me from being this very uh, dull, uneventful object into something that actually is a lot more interesting and a lot more dynamic. Thank you, Lucy. Hello, everyone. Um, thanks for coming in from the sun, and it's a Bake Off night as well, so it's uh, <laughs> even more extraordinary to, to see you here. Uh, my background is in being a poet and in being fascinated by astronomy since I was a very little boy. And um, I have worked um, with Lucy and, um, in the past, and I was right in residence at the Space Science Laboratory uh, where Lucy works and got um, scientists from all kinds of different backgrounds, not just astrophysics, also physics to, to write some poetry. And I spent the last kind of three or four years obsessed with the sun. I don't quite know how it happened, but it, this weird switch went in my head and I became obsessed with the sun. I started writing poems about it obsessively and produced a book. Um, all about the sun, of course, sunspots, and we also turned it into a one-man show with songs and performances, and you'll be seeing little, strange little snippets from this show. Obviously, this is this is a very different environment for it, so um, bear with me as I, as I do that. And so we're going to kind of alternate uh, little presentations as we go through, and we're going to start with uh, one of the songs I <coughs> produced for the show called About the Journey of Photons from the Centre of the Sun to Your Eyeballs. So let's go for that, shall we?
consider my star soul. For I am the servant of this living God, and daily serve her. For at the first glance of the glory of God in the east, I worship in my way. For this is done by fixing espresso, and watching the pinkening lights on the shards. For then she waves her warmth across the scene, and lifts the hearts of those who took a night bus at 4am to clean HQs. For she tickles the orbitals of foxes in their stride, and hides them home. But having risen and settled into her groove, she begins to consider herself. For this she performs in 11 degrees. For first, she does the plank to strengthen core stability. For secondly, she runs a malware scan for comets closing in. For thirdly, she completes the paperwork for eclipses, total, annular, and partial. For fourthly, flares. For fifthly, she sorts her sunspots into pairs. For sixthly, she gives neutrinos priority boarding. For seventhly, she referees the arm wrestling match between the upstart fusion and gravity. For eighthly, she weaves flux ropes and picks up sleeping games. For ninthly, she degausses her plasma spores. For tenthly, she is profligate with her photons. For eleventhly, star jumps. For having considered herself, she will consider her neighbours. For she runs a cloth around the ecliptic to make it gleam. For she oils the wheels of any planets gliding there. For she sends invites out to wallflowers in the autumn clouds. For she issues shadows for children to dodge as they make their way to school. For she shakes out her blankets for devotees of helioseismology. For when she takes her prey, she plays with it to give it a chance. And one planet in nine escapes by her dowry. For in her morning orisons she loves the earth when the earth loves her. For she is of the tribe of tiger, tiger. For she hands out colouring books to chameleons in the morning. For when it is time to rise, she blushes to be seen at so intimate an hour. For when it is time to set, she is crimson ashamed to run out on us. For though she neither rises nor sets, she thinks it best that we believe so, so that we can take our rest and fuel our waking with anticipation. For she lifts oceans over mountains without thinking, for she tries to solve the puzzle of the weather, placing this here and that there, and attempts to even out the air. For she is a mixture of gravity and wagon. For she's a stickler for solstices. For she booms like a woofer for those that can hear. For she cares not what lives as long as all live. For she takes her time. For she lends us the light from distant stars to swerve it into our sockets. For sometimes in the winter haze, she's as pale as a lemon drop and lets us watch her bathe unpunished. For she never calls it sick. For her colours are open source. For every raindrop's an excuse for Mardi Gras. For she will work on her drafts for a million years and release them typo-free. For she will lash out and then regret the hurt. For she promises radio hands jam tomorrow. For your power grid is a cobweb she walks into when she steps off her porch. For she kept mum through the maunder minimum. For her behaviour is definitely on the spectrum. For she keeps dark about dark matter, but she definitely knows something. For she plays Miss Prism in the importance of being furnished. For she offers board and lodging to turn as angel in the sun. For she confused the wounded parts of a broken heart and released the lost mass as hope. For she spins plates 
to create horrors, for she leaves clues all over the place, some cryptic, some quick, some general knowledge based, for she is hands off, for she tends to micromanage, for she lays down squares of light for your pets to sleep in, for she turns a blind eye to all the creeping, swooping pillars of the night, but leaves a moon-faced nightlight on, for her sunquakes flatten no buildings, gridlock no cities, disgorge no refugees, for she is not too proud to dry your sins. For she gives us ego cause and time to rethink disastrous decisions. For Raybacks. For she polarizes opinion. For her secrets are waiting to free us. For she appreciates Stonehenge and visits every day. For she sets herself by the grid of Manhattan. For she will kill you with the loving of you. For she I always loved hearing Simon read his poetry. It's so nice and it's so invigorating to hear Simon's perspective on our son and find somebody who has such a passion for the object that I also have an enormous passion for. And I think it's interesting to view ourselves as you know, the latest in a long line of people who've been absolutely mesmerised by the sun and have wondered what it is and who it is. I love the personification of the sun that we give. Because the sun has inspired civilizations for thousands of years, even longer. And it's interesting to me to think about how early ideas evolved to think about what the sun actually is, which is you know, the central part of, of um, solar physics. So maybe, what is the sun? How do we explain it? And so when we look back at early civilizations, you'll find that every single one has their god associated to fire and light, associated with the sun. And perhaps for everybody here this evening, if you were to think about words that would describe the sun, you might think of flame, fire, heat. I know when I go into schools, I ask children to tell me the words that they uh, that come to their minds. If I show them pictures like this of the sun, that's exactly what they say. Incidentally, this is one of my favourite pictures. This was taken from the top of Mauna Kea on a visit that I was very lucky to make um, last year. So this is the sun setting. And we drove up to this mountain, 14,000 feet above sea level, got there to watch this you know, spectacle, daily spectacle for the astronomers up here. And I thought we would be there by ourselves having this peaceful moment. But you might be able to see like the crowds that are gathered on the top of this mountain where there's a very thin atmosphere and people are suffering from altitude sickness. But we made that journey because we wanted to see the sun from this very special and, and, and stunning place. So people have always ascribed the power to the sun and they've tried to understand it. And as a scientist, I think it's our role to test those ideas about fire. But is, how is the sun functioning? How does it shine? And I find it very interesting that when we try and grapple with this very big question, we draw initially on the things that we're very familiar with. But the challenge as a scientist is to not be constrained by that and try and be open-minded to the things that we don't yet know. In the first movie that we saw um, of Simon's poems, the Photon movie, I love that one. I love the line, Photon, get a move on. <laughs> so maybe you could just say what, before I go on to talk about that a bit but what, 
we knew the size of the sun, we knew the composition of the sun, that it's mostly made of hydrogen. That was a discovery made by an, uh, a British female scientist, Cecilia Payne Poshkin. Uh, no one ever talks about her, but she discovered what really the entire universe is made of, because most of it is hydrogen. And so we had the sort of the foundations in space. But it's kind of sad to me that the era that followed Arthur Eddington, well, that he didn't get to see it. And by this, I mean the space era. So this is the one that we live in. And this is the one that really gets me excited. So when we developed the ability to go into space, we got above the Earth's atmosphere, and we saw the sun truly for the first time, fully, without the obscuration of the Earth's atmosphere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Some of the light causing it to scintillate. And so I've got three pictures here that for me mark the journey that we've been on in space science. Um, any rocket buffs out there might recognize the picture on the left-hand side. That is a V2 rocket that was left over after the Second World War. When the war was ending, the rockets and the German rocket scientists surrendered to America, and they started using the rockets, on the face of it, to do research looking at the sun and the Earth's upper atmosphere. But also they were learning about the German rocket technology at the same time. So the first rockets went up and studied the sun. The middle picture shows a technology that I also find quite intriguing. This is called a raccoon. So a hybrid of a rocket and a balloon. And so they decided that they wanted to be able to launch rockets at a moment's notice to study the sun when it got active. And they couldn't just leave rockets on the launch pad because that tied up the launch pad for perhaps days or weeks at a time. So they decided that what we'll do is we'll launch the rocket on the balloon and that will just drift. And then whenever the sun produces this burst of activity that we want to study, we'll fire the rocket up through the balloon, solving the problem of what to do with the balloon at the same time, and then the rockets will carry up the instruments to make the studies of the sun, which I think is ingenious. We don't do this anymore, um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of rockets. And then on the right-hand side, we've got a picture of 
the first orbiting space station, which is called Skylab. And this is a space station that was dedicated to understanding how humans would function in space, but also it had on board a really sophisticated solar observatory. And astronauts were trained as solar physicists before they went to this space station so they could operate the telescopes for people like myself. And this was orbiting in the 1970s. So after the Apollo era ended, NASA had its sights on the sun and it used the third stage of a, um, a Saturn V rocket and turned it into this orbiting space station, which I just think is wonderful. And in fact, it deorbited and came down over Western Australia. So if you're ever in Western Australia, drive to a town called Esperance and you can go and see this space station now in this tiny, tiny museum. It's absolutely phenomenal. I made a pilgrimage there a few years ago. So I flew for a day to Perth, I drove three days to Esperance and I found the space station. Yeah. What year was it? Is it 76? I think and it came down... one of my favourite verbs. Maybe 79. I 79. Yeah, end of the 70s. I remember I was, I was at Luke Bolden in New Huddersfield and I was hoping or praying that Skylab would land on Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it seems such a waste to land in a little bit later. Well, it's an interesting point. So in the museum, you go in and it's this corrugated iron museum. Lots of buildings in Australia have corrugated iron. And there are... Dis other displays. So one is a Brillant collection that someone's given to the museum. One is a barbed wire collection. And then you've got Skylab. <laughs> it's not given any more prominence than any other exhibit in there. But it's such a significant um, mission. So now we have the space age looking at the sun. We can go in all wavelengths of light that we want to. So the image I showed before um, is just a visible light, how our eyes detect the sun. But the beauty of going into space means we can see the sun in ultraviolet light, and x-rays. And I want to just show you, before I hand back to Simon, how the sun looked yesterday, taken using wavelengths of light that our eyes can't detect. So these images come from a mission called the Solar Dynamics Observatory. Everyone can get these images, they're all freely available because it's a publicly funded mission, so therefore the public can get hold of this data. And they show the sun at the same time, just taken in different wavelengths of light going from longer wavelengths on the left to shorter wavelengths on the right. And what I hope is apparent is that the sun looks different when you look at it in different wavelengths of light. So you see the surface where the sun looks like a very smooth ball, and then you come up actually into the atmosphere and you see all this structure. And um, this is actually all created by magnetic fields. So everything you're seeing there, the shapes in the gas, are all created by magnetic fields. So magnetism is one of the key things that we need to understand to know why the sun looks as it does. So these are images from yesterday. And you can get even more up-to-date images if you have a look. They used to live it all with me, with God heads.
fulcrum of perfection, the prime mover, the chief creator who could ripen grapes as an afterthought, bringing culture, savour, civilization. Now, I'm just the boy. The marker that indicates the exit from the harbour. Something to be got past. Something of a feather in one's cap. Something to be got under one's belt. Pocketed. Regarded, perhaps, as a useful pointer. A fond memento. The universe hurts. But you need that. I pity you, your brief lines. Over in the squint of an eye, it's a problem. Over it. Some stars are shy, distant ones, the clingy, binary ones, the dense ones who try to swallow their own tails of light, but like the mass, can get the right starting. Come forward, you let you in on a little secret. Hell. It's just an oven preheating for something really wicked. Turn around for your shadow, what do you see? Four legs, two legs, three? How limpingly beautiful you Ever want to be a star? It's a simple recipe. Most households have many ingredients. Everyone has a shelf full of dead cells, an old bag of gravity trapped in the back. You just don't have enough volunteers. Is Jupiter a failed star or an overachieving planet? You decide. Put your spin on it. The stars are the yes men of the universe, no negative capability. Four billion years of saying yes and five billion years of yes is yet to come. I wish I could use up this core. Into Mongol. A trillion years or more. I pity you, you flights. You're planning for the nebula. Things you'll leave behind. Your inventory, memento mori. The universe hurts, but you knew that. I'm starting to repeat myself. That was a pulsar. Poor steadfast keeps me. I spent a million years making one perfect photon to send to the Spanish steps. That dawn they carried me down. The star will never let you down. The planet, the planet will break your heart. I envy you with the fight. a failed star. This schematic shows the size of the Sun on the right-hand side. Jupiter you can just about make out as the largest planet on the left. And then all the other planets, well you can barely see them, they're so small. You could fit over a million Earths inside our Sun. It is a huge object. It dominates our solar system in light and mass and gravity. 
So how does it compare to the other stars that we see out there? And actually today you may have heard in the news that the Gaia space mission, which has been mapping stars in our own galaxy, has released its first data. It's measured um, information about a billion stars in our own galaxy. That's thousand million stars and it's a huge number, ridiculous number. It's still only a small fraction of the total number of stars in our galaxy. But there are a lot out there, so how does our sun compare? Well, this animation guides us through our sun compared to some other stars. And I'm going upwards in size, as you can see. So we have Sirius, which is the brightest star in the sky. You can see that when the sun sets. Up to Arcturus, red star. Um, Aldebaran, so these are red giants. Getting much, much larger in size now. Rigel, that's in the constellation of Orion. Getting even bigger, Antares and Betelgeuse. And so when you start to look at other stars, our sun can potentially be dwarfed. But I don't want you to go away thinking that our sun is not special. It is still special. But it just sort of sits in the middle range, really. The smallest stars we see in the universe may be about 10% of the mass of our sun. The largest star, or the most massive star we've ever discovered, um, that was a discovery made by a team at Sheffield University. They found a star that's 260 times as massive as our sun, so massive that when it dies it will blow itself apart, leaving nothing behind. So our sun sort of sits in the middle of this spectrum. It's not particularly small, it's not particularly massive. I mentioned it has a magnetic field, but then all other stars have magnetic fields too. So what does it do for us? Well, there are sort of two things I want to say about our sun. And the first is that it actually acts as a protector for us. So the sun's atmosphere doesn't end where the images seem to indicate. It simply thins as you go up in height. And it actually stretches out over all the planets and it reaches out for over 18 billion kilometres from the Earth. The edge of the Sun has only just been discovered by the Voyager 1 spacecraft that was launched in 1977 and has been travelling out through the solar system ever since. And we sit in that atmosphere. We are living in the Sun's atmosphere. And I've got a little artist's animation to show you of the galaxy. So you see the spiral arms in the bright centre. And then... When I run it, we'll zoom in, and we'll zoom into one of the spiral arms where we are. And as we get closer and closer, you'll see the point of light that is our sun. And then what you'll start to see is this sort of windsock that illustrates the extent of the sun's atmosphere. And we are hidden within that. The sun is moving through the galaxy, which is why it's drawn out like a windsock compressed on one side and stretched out on the other so the direction of motion is going up. We are, we are embedded in that atmosphere. And it's really important for us because the sun's atmosphere acts as a shield and it blocks very high energy particles that are called cosmic rays. They come from the centre of the galaxy and if we were to encounter them, they could damage our skin, damage our cell, the cells in our body. So this huge inflated atmosphere of the sun acts as a shield to protect us from these very high energy particles. And that was really amazing for me when I found out. I never thought about our sun as a protector. I thought about it as a giver of life and a provider of energy, but not as a protector for us. And then I think the second thought that I want to um, 
uh, communicate is, is the sun is a majestic object. And I very much see it this way. It's enormous, it's powerful, we rely on it, but it has these amazing forms of solar activity. And these are the kind of things that the raccoon was trying to capture. So I want to show you one animation now. This is an image of the sun in ultraviolet light. Again, everything that you see here is shaped by the presence of magnetic fields. The gas that you're seeing has a temperature of around 2 million degrees, 2 million Kelvin, incredibly hot. The centre of the sun is 15 million degrees, even hotter. But what I want to do is zoom in to one part of that image and show you a video that's been heavily processed in a way that will bring out changes in the sun's atmosphere. So where there's nothing happening, you'll see grey, and where there are changes, you'll see colour and brightness. And let's see what happens. So if I run the video, so this is real data from the sun sped up. You see this huge eruption that takes place, and this portion of the sun's atmosphere suddenly expands. Material flies up at thousands of kilometres a second, some of the material is so heavy it falls down under gravity and impacts back onto the surface of the sun. And these are the kind of things that we see on the sun all the time. It's incredibly beautiful. Perhaps I should say that before I trained as a scientist, um, I wanted to be an artist, so I did a year of art. And I think these kind of images still tickle that side of me, but um, to have satisfied. The aesthetics of the sun are incredible, and the science is also incredible too. So the sun is our protector, but actually these kind of events are the biggest explosions that we see happening in the solar system. And they themselves can cause some problems for us, but we have this sort of love-hate perhaps relationship with the sun. It protects us on the one hand, but if these kind of explosions reach out towards the earth, we also need to be a little bit careful. Very handy for me that you mentioned art and you originally claiming as an artist because in the in the, the book of sunspots there's as I do my research I um, became obsessed with uh, looking at how painters are treated the sun and painting is all about light for canvas to uh, famous who was obsessed with light it's probably wonderful but I like to think it's true his final words on his deathbed were the sun is God um, and there's there's some there's a kind of imaginative strange theology in the book as well but I wrote a sequence of poems about the sun talking about his, her, its favourite painters and telling little fibs about them all um, I think I wrote five or six I didn't do some of them no, he was also the painters it's not very cryptic, I didn't disguise them Send the iron through the heart, 
His gaze never left that inner sunset. His watch never let me off the hook. That look towards that thing I've heard you talk about. That thing that waits. That red, 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 red thing that fades. I watched him paint the happiness of loving my brunette with a twinge of regret. I saw his tapestry trashed among 3,000 souls. He made our work destroy, I guess. That approach, I'd have to say that Surai was my fault. Divining the prison through divisions, a portion of the visible, particle by particle, a little dotty, perhaps, pointedly finishing that damn hat. I like to spend Sunday in a park with George, making my entrance again. With my usual flair, I'm sure of myself. Dogs and monkeys and parasols, let's go and get drunk on light again. It consoles. By the way, how's my cold getting on? I've set as much aside for you as I could. Don't use it all up for once. Should come in handy. And how's my oil fairy? It does best in the dark, under the light. It doesn't do so well in the light. Don't let it spoil. I assume you're using solar, right? But all the stuff's in the back. In case there's a rainy day for me, in space. Speaking of which, one day you'll sail away on a fair wind of photons. Remember me this way. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.